Dish from Waitrose is an SE Creative Studio production. Fizz Beyond Carbonated Water. Introducing the Infizz Fusion by Sage. Carbonate a refreshing strawberry wine cooler or a homemade lemonade like never before. Infizz. And release. Infizz your flavour. Sage, the Infizz Fusion Carbonator, available in a range of Lux colours, exclusively at John Lewis. Our podcast might contain the occasional mild swear word or adult theme. Hello and welcome to Dish from Waitrose. It's me, Nick Grimshaw. And I'm Angela Hunnett. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, think about that for a second. I did. Had to remember where I was, what I was doing. It's been so long. Hey, I thought we could start today with some listener questions. Okay. We love questions from you guys. You can email us, dish at waitrose.co.uk. And you can ask anything, like behind the scenes. You can ask for Angela's honest opinion on previous guests. <laughs> Or you can have, like, problems like Gary's had. He's wrote, hi, Angela, and then in brackets, and Nick. (laughs) Close bracket. Okay. I've recently discovered the podcast, and I love it. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Gary. You know there's no more Gary's. What, the name, you mean? Yeah. It will come back. Do you think? I think, you know, when William and Kate have another kid, and they call him Gary. King Gary. King Gaza. (laughs) Anyway, Gary says, I wondered if there is a foolproof way of getting the perfect crackling. Oh. I cook pork at a lower temperature so it stays tender, but this always ends up with rubbish slash no crackling. Is there a way to do both? Yes. Thanks, Angela. No, that's great. <laughs> I, I, you don't want to know. You're just interested. Yeah, go on. So, I so you've it. got your pork fat. Uh. It's probably on the loin, most likely, or even belly. Really score it, and that means taking a really sharp knife and doing crisscross pattern across so you score the skin. Then I tend to rub a little bit of olive oil on it and season it up. And for pork crackling or pork belly, which I like, I chop really finely some rosemary, grate the rind of a lemon, mix it with salt, and then spread all that on it. What you're doing wrong, Gary, is the reverse. You need a hot oven, first of all. Put your pork in, get your crackling, super, super crackling for 20 minutes, probably about 190, 200. Then turn it down and then roast the meat slow for about another, depending on the size of the piece of meat, you know, another hour. But you won't, it will still be moist and you'll still have crackling. So you start super hot, get that fat crispy. And you want the fat up or the fat touching the tray? Fat up. Fat up. Never heard that. Fat down like that. Vote now. Let us know. Fat up or fat down. That's a new one on me. Yeah. I can see on certain things, like you sometimes turn the chicken upside down. No, fat up. Nice, fat crispy. Up. Yeah. Do you ever like do it when you get a hot pan and stick it in the pan first to get the fat going and then put it in the no, oven? No. Nah. It's too much fat. Yeah, that's what I think. The yeah. thing is about all this, this real secret more than anything, not everyone's got loads of money and all the rest of it, but buy the best pork you can afford. If you buy a great piece of pork, your job's half done for you already because it will naturally have great crackling. Okay. All right, there you go, Gary. Hope that helps, Gary. Yeah, buy nice pork. I wonder where you could buy nice pork. Any supermarket spring to mind? <laughs> right, today um, we have Adam Hills. Brilliant. He's a lot of fun, so I'm very excited Good. about him coming on. Also, he's one of them men that just does a lot of stuff, like he loves rugby. Yeah. He does, obviously, The Last Leg every single yeah. Friday night live Rice on books. Channel 4. Writes books. He's got a restaurant as yeah. well. And barbecuing. We've got to talk about barbecuing. Brilliant. 
All right, should we get our guest in? Adam looks so apprehensive. Adam does look concerned. Why? He does look concerned. Oh, I'll tell you why. Why? Because I'm used to hosting. So uh. I'm listening to all the directions you're getting, thinking, okay, how are you processing this? What are you picking up from? I don't need to think about no, that. You're no, just relax. relax. Oh, oh, do you want to do the intro to yourself? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, so yeah. Adam, we're going to need the intro to Adam Hills. Um, and we're going to come to you in three, two, one. Okay, and I'm even going to give you a pickup from the end of whatever you were chatting about so it comes in seamlessly. Perfectly. Yeah. yeah Such a pro. And he never called you back afterwards. No, he didn't. <laughs> Despite going home with I'm your underwear still... in his car. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, time for our first guest. He's a comedian. He's from Australia and he loves talking about barbecues. Please welcome Adam Hills. Yeah! <laughs> God, he's good. This is very he's good. good. We need to stand up. Let's just have a conversation and we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome, Adam. How are you? I'm, I'm really well. I'm excited. Yeah, good. And, and, and also a little hesitant. I mentioned it to you earlier, but I've not eaten. Uh-huh. You know, I left Rune today right. for, because I was, I was excited about eating. Good. But then on the way here, I had the thought of what if this is one of those shows where the food is just to look at and not to eat? Oh. And then I had a panic because I thought, I'm, I'm actually quite hungry. Did you stop at a garage and have a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. So I'm hoping we are actually going to eat. Yeah, no, don't worry. We're having real life food. Oh, great. Before we eat, I've made us a mocktail because we heard that you always are looking for like a nice, you know, alcohol free cocktail. Yeah, so I went booze-free about oh, six or seven years ago. And I wasn't a big drinker. I knew how to drink. I lived yeah. in Dublin. Yeah. I lived in Dublin for three years, so I <laughs> yeah. know how to drink. But I just found whenever I took a break, I'd feel really good. Yeah. And then I'd go back on drinking again and go, I don't know. To be honest, I became addicted to feeling good. Right. After two or three months of not drinking, it becomes a bit of a buzz. Yeah. And since not drinking, like I've found myself more productive and happier and all of that kind of stuff. And luckily at the moment, there are so many good non-alco options around, so many good non-alco beers. I've found, though, that the best way to describe it to people is to say, I'm off the booze for a bit. I mean, six or seven years is a, is a bit. <laughs> I know, but if you say the word booze, it makes them go, oh, if you say booze, you must have loved it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have, you have a, like a lovely nickname yeah. for it. You yeah. really booze. Like and the weird thing is, the weirdest thing is, in America, if you say you're not drinking, they assume you're an alcoholic straight away. Yeah. I find I function better without it. So but do you feel people put the pressure on you then if you say, actually, I'm just, you know, not drinking or off the booze? That's the difference. If you say, oh, I don't drink or I'm not drinking, they're kind of like, oh, well, you'll have one. But if you say I'm off the booze, yeah. then they kind of go, oh, oh I see. Right. Yeah. To be honest, I was actually talking to someone about this the other night. In the last seven years, I've only had two drinks forced on me mm. one was by the wife of my rugby league coach right and we were at a wedding and she was going yeah but you'll have a shot and i was like yeah go on then. yeah go on then. and the other was by russell crowe oh. oh hard to say no to i imagine <laughs> right. yeah you're like yes i will mr Gladiator. but it was even bigger it wasn't just any old pub so he invited me to his farm he has a farm in new south wales oh wow and <laughs> i was almost summoned like i love russell crowe he's amazing I got a message saying, do you want to come to the farm on Sunday? And I was like, oh, I'm visiting my granddad this weekend. I'm a 19-hour drive away. And he wrote back, there are these things called planes. (laughs) And so I said, oh, look, I'd love to come, but I need to do publicity in Melbourne next week. And then he wrote, don't do press on a Sunday. I was like, no. (laughs) 
I'm not. The press is on a Monday morning, but I need to be in Melbourne by 11. Yeah. And then he wrote back, there's a 9am flight. You can make it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm coming. And so we turn up to his farm and we go into his games building. And I think it's the pub from Robin Hood rebuilt. That's in, quite amazing. In his games building. And it's called the Blind Rabbit. That's right. what it was called in Robin Hood. So we walked in and there's rugby league on TV. And he said, uh, do you want a pint? And I went, oh, I'm, I'm off the booze. <laughs> Thinking, I've said off the booze. He'll know yeah, what yeah, that yeah. means. And he, went, he just went, yeah, but you're in the Blind Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Yeah, but like Where's I, the logic I, there? I said, genuinely, I haven't had a drink for a couple of years. And he went, yeah, but you'll have a Guinness in the blind <laughs> rabbit. And I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> so I, I had half a pint of Guinness and even the half a pint, he looked distastefully at yeah. me. Yeah. That's <laughs> I feel like Guinness, though, if you are going to, it's almost medicinal. Yeah. You know, it's if you're going to drink. It's yeah. food. It's almost like saying I'm lactose intolerant, but it's mother's milk. So yeah. I'm yeah. <laughs> Awesome, we'll be all right. But I've had that when I've not drank now for since New Year's Eve. Right. And then I went to Somerset, not Russell Crowe's farm. <laughs> it was our farm. And on the farm, they were making that like, they have their own orchard and they were getting their apples off and they were making like fresh cider with like no preservatives. And I was like, well, I've got to try that. Yeah. Medicinal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? I don't know where I plucked this word from, but that was what... <laughs> I was like, well, it's from the land. Absolutely. And so what's Be the cocktail rude. then? So what the cocktail you... is Guinness. No. Uh, we've gone for uh, Cucumber Collins. So Ooh. it's alcohol-free gin. Mm -hmm. with cucumber puree, bit of sugar syrup, uh, fresh lemon juice, and then we have some soda, and I've made a cucumber ribbon. Oh, did you make the ribbon lovely. yourself? Oh, it's lovely. And a bit of dill. So it's that herby... Oh, it's really nice. It's medicinal. <laughs> it really is. Well, if you want to check this out, waitrose.com slash dish recipes. It's on there. I went to a restaurant in Melbourne last year with my wife and they had a pairing menu, but they had a non-alcoholic pairing menu as well. And you could do half and half. So she did half and half and I did the non-alco. Like old-fashioned, like a, a non-alcoholic old-fashioned mm, or yeah. non-alcoholic red wine. And all of them complemented everything beautifully. And by the end of the meal, my wife kind of went, I think I preferred the non-alcos. Did she stop drinking? right then and there? I think I prefer... Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was almost like, I prefer the taste of them. <laughs> I like the drunkenness <laughs> that this gives me. <laughs> Let's talk about the Royals. Adam, you got an MBE. Yes. Recently, right? Yeah, September last year. Okay. And what the hell happens? Do you get a letter? Yes, you get a letter. Uh -huh. You know, you've got an OBE. I'm just laughing at you. Do you get a letter? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the king calls you. Says, <laughs> I ran his Charles. Um, so how do they know where you live? That's an excellent question. I have so no idea. So you just idea. get a letter to my your house? Yes, with On Her Majesty's Service stamped oh, on the yeah, front. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Which yeah. made me go... Am I the next James Bond? <laughs> um, you know, we would like to inform you that the Prime Minister has put your name forward and, you know, would you like to accept it? And the, literally the first thing I did was Google, can Australians be awarded an MBE? Because yeah, I thought, that's true. what yeah. if they haven't checked that? So all of that was then announced. And they say don't say anything, do they? But you're allowed to tell, like, your publicist yeah. oh. to give them a heads up for yeah. when it's announced. So there's this weird thing where my mum doesn't know, but my publicist does. Oh, <laughs> poor mum. Um, and so then when it was announced, I think I called her because it was announced maybe midnight in the UK. And yeah. so it was first thing in the morning in Australia. And so once it was officially announced, I called her and put her on speakerphone and told her and told my oh. wife and kids. And um, God, you she, didn't tell your wife. That's amazing. No, I kept it. 
God, you but really quite a fun did. surprise, isn't yeah. it? Like when it's out, like quite quite a fun yeah. surprise. How did they react? How was mum? Mum was very kind of like, oh, that's lovely, dear. That's very good. And I was like, okay. It's like your mum reaction. Yeah. And then I took her off speakerphone and then went to say goodbye and then she burst into tears. Um, But then I flew her over here for the investiture. And rather than make you sit there and watch everyone get theirs, they separate you into rooms and gradually you move up a room and up a room. So it starts with the knights and the dames. They're in the first room and they go straight through and we were in the last room. You must have been in the middle then. You must have been like... You've moved up a few rooms now. (laughs) (laughs) So it took us ages because we were the last. And um, it was Princess Anne. Uh Uh, Who'd you get? Oh, the king. Oh, you got the king. That's nice. So you you don't know, do you? It's a royal lottery. You don't know until you get there. And then you kind of work it out. Um, And she was lovely. And do they give you a heads up once you're there? Or is it like, like, you know, they open the doors like blind date, like... (laughs) 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 The king. Tonight, Adam, you will. Princess Anne. She's in a revolving throne with, with her back to you. And just spins around. Oh, no, they tell you when you get yeah. there, they run you through it, they yeah. say this is who it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and she was lovely. And she, you know, considering how many people she has to meet, it's like 100 people. Yeah. And she talked to everyone for five minutes and she knows all about them. And she was asking me about comedy and how I got into it and all that kind of stuff. And then, kind of out of the blue, she said, My favourite show is Would I Lie to You? <laughs> Is it? Is it? Well, my favourite royals. <laughs> um, and, she, and then she was like, have you been on? And I said, no, I haven't. She went, oh, what a great shame. Anyway, congratulations. <laughs> Angela. Yes, Nicholas. What are we having? So we've got these lovely spicy ribs, which I've marinated with honey, bit of Worcester sauce, um, tomato ketchup, um, a little bit of salt, and then... We finish them with a bit of lemon juice, seasoning, hot oven, and then this lovely cabbage and carrot and spring onion salad with a peanut dressing. And then I've sort of pimped it up a little bit with some um, lime juice, a little bit of coriander and some fresh chilli in there as well. And so the ribs, you marinated them for how long? Marinated them for a couple of hours, but you can do yeah. them overnight if you yeah. want to. I think if you're going to marinate something, do it as long as possible. Yeah. Um, but we did them for a couple of hours and then in a nice hot oven. And then my, I love things like Worcester sauce and Tabasco because mm. I yeah. was like, you know, they just... It's like Marmite and Bovril. They give you that secret sort of, you know, unami sort of, you know, Moorish flavour. Do you love everything barbecue, don't you? I do love barbecue, and in particular I love ribs. It harks back to a family holiday that we went to Hawaii when I was about nine, and we went to a restaurant that had ribs. Best meal I've ever had in my life at that point. I mean, I'm nine. Um, (laughs) Had never had ribs before, and for something about, I think ribs for me bring back not only I love the taste, but also that memory of that family holiday, discovering something together. So when we got back to Australia, and bear in mind, this is like 1979, got back to Australia and my mum decided she was going to make ribs. But there are different types of ribs. There's American barbecue, there's yeah. Chinese pork ribs. Mm-hmm. So the ribs that like baby back that you can get now just weren't yeah. available in Australia in 1979. Because I would have thought the Australians, they, you know, they love their barbecue, they love all that sort of stuff. That surprises me that they didn't. But then you would have had the southern, like, in America, that sort of southern Creole-type ribs. Yeah, I mean, an Australian barbecue in 1979 was steak and sausage right. and that's it. Yeah. And then, I mean, Australian cuisine since then has come leaps and bounds. But, yeah, so then I guess because of that holiday I discovered the ribs and I found as well in America 
When you say I'm having a barbecue, it means a different thing in Australia than in America. Right. Okay. So in Australia, if I say, hey, to some people, do you want to come over on Sunday? We're having a barbecue. That basically means we're having a get together. There'll be drinks, there'll be food, there'll be salad, there'll be meat. It's like saying we're having a party. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But in America, if you say I'm having barbecue, they'll be like, oh, I'm vegetarian. They just think they meat. So they, yeah, it, barbecue yeah. is just meat. So whereas Australia, it's more of a social get together type yeah. thing. So, yeah, I've learnt that there's a different level of what barbecue is in America to what it is in Australia. And here it seems to be... Yeah, what about hair? I don't know, under an umbrella? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Do you? It's like gone a bit rusty. Yeah. <laughs> We've not cleaned it since last summer. For me, a British barbecue is one of those <laughs> foil ones that you buy at the service station. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, what? You have disposable barbecues? <laughs> How is that a thing? If you fancy making this and you want to have a wine with it, we have a wine pairing suggestion for you. A German wine from Erzig. And it is a light wine, but it's quite concentrated with a mineral finish. Dr. Lusen Erzingen Wurzgarten. Is that right, Manish? Is that right? Are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you do it? Because you sound really German. Right, let's get Anya to do it. Dr. Lusen Erziger Wurzgarten Riesling Kabinett. Right, perfect, exactly. Anya, thank you. I would have just said Riesling Kabinett. I do say this every single week, and I have said it on the past two series, and I want to continue this into series three. I'm going to try this when I go home. <laughs> um, if you do want to try this recipe or any of them, go on waitress.com forward slash dish recipes. Oh, these are delicious. Happy, Adam. Yeah, Good. so happy. Mm. Mm, they're mm. good. Ones. And just the right amount of fall off the bone. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure there's probably a word for that. Fall off the boneness. No, no, you're right. Though. It's mm. exactly like that. Mm. So tell us about your restaurant. So, in beautiful Aussie tradition, mm. I met a guy called Scott Hallsworth yeah. at a Royal Flying Doctor service, okay. a okay. charity benefit. And he was a chef and he had donated, you know, something for the night. And I think he might have even catered the night. So, I went to his restaurant. He had a restaurant in Soho called Freak Scene. And now he worked at Nobu. He had a place called Kurubuta, I think, on the King's Road in London. And his food was what, Asian? I'd call it pan-Asian punk is the best way. Mm. So it was like deep-fried bao buns. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Uh, with a red duck curry or yeah. a tuna sashimi pizza. Oh. Um, mm. Kind of Asian fusion, which is yeah. what we do really well in Australia. We're so yeah. close to Southeast Asia that we've come, that's yeah. almost normal for us. Yeah. Um, but he also had, he had like 90s Australian grunge music playing. He had Takeshi's Castle on the TV. It was just a really cool, funky place. And then over COVID, of course, it, you know, it closed down. He had a pop-up in Clerkenwell called Double Dragon. And I was there last year with my wife and he was saying, I'd love to start up the freak scene again. I just need investors. And it was on the way home. My wife went, you've got a little bit of money. Why don't you look into that? Something I would never have considered doing. Yeah. And so I took him out to dinner and went, how much do you need? And do you want to do this? And like, in, he got me together with his business partner, who's also an Australian. And we just kind of, <laughs> in very Aussie way, just went, sounds great. Let's do it. Let's do it. Do we need contracts? No. That ain't well be right. I think we looked at each other and we knew the deal was sealed when the business manager went, so let's f*** this pig. <laughs> So <laughs> in the space of, I guess, six months, they found a venue. They've done a complete refit. So the restaurant's been open a couple of months now. Okay. It's been full from the first night. I think because it's, it's in Parsons Green, so there's a lot of people around that area with money, but there's no restaurant like it in that area. And they did really cool things. They put up 
what looked like rock posters in the windows. And it, or, or for me, it looked like an Edinburgh Fringe poster right. with Scott over the grill and it was kind of black and white and edgy with a QR code. So people walking past and going, well, this looks all right, mm-hmm. scanning the QR code, then Googling him going, wow, he's got really good credentials. And I realised this afterwards, you know, the amount of people who open restaurants in the world who have no idea how to make good food. <laughs> like, I've never... Can't cook. Yeah. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And Joyce says that about Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's like, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> so Adam, are you still between London and Sydney? Not the handiest of commutes. <laughs> but, I mean, are you still like flitting between or are you more here or? I mean, COVID made things tricky. So my wife and kids were living here with me up until 2019. So 2020, I was kind of stranded in Australia for seven months to the point where we made the last leg from my garage in Australia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And because we, we had this crazy idea of, well, if Josh is in London, and yeah. Alex is in Huddersfield. Yeah. What's the point of me flying all the way to London? I can do it from Melbourne. Yeah. And so they set up this amazing rig in my garage, but we didn't think it through. We had to do it at 7 a.m.? Yeah, time difference would have had its problem. On a Saturday morning. Yeah. Oh. And I was like, well, that's fine. I can get up at 5, give myself a couple of hours. And they went, no, but because it's the normal time here in London, we need to rehearse the show at 3 a.m. Oh. oh. And we, we can't just have everyone come in first thing in the morning, send them home for the day, and then yeah. back at night. So basically it would get to a Friday night, we'd have a writer's meeting from about 10pm in Australia till midnight. <laughs> I would then go to bed for an hour Jeepers. while they were just literally maybe yeah. an hour and a half while they, and of course I couldn't sleep. Yeah. They'd tinker with the script. I'd get up at 2.30 and then I'd be in the garage rehearsing. <laughs> but whispering, the problem was it wasn't, it wasn't a door that came down, it was open to the street. So to people go, so I'd be rehearsing at three in the morning. People are like, Adam. Virtually whispering, going, yeah. hi, welcome to the last leg <laughs> tonight. And they're going, we need you to talk up for the mics. And yeah. I'm like, I will when we do the show, I promise. Yeah. And then we'd get to about five and the bird, the sun would come up yeah. and the birds would start squawking. So then there was a bit of noise in the street. But, yeah, then we'd go to where at seven and there'd be people walking their dogs. Being like, wow, <laughs> lockdown's really hit Adam. Like, he's now doing TV show in a garage. He's pretended, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, wow. <laughs> so we did that for a year. And then the next year I kind of ended up here for seven months. Yeah. I did two lots of those hotel quarantines in Australia. Oh, oh yeah. Jeepers. So like two weeks That's in a hotel tough. room. How yeah. was the food there? Because you, could you order in or did you have to have the hotel food? Well, the first time I didn't think to order in. The second time the hotel food was actually quite good. But there was this mad thing that would happen. So the way they delivered food to your room was at a certain time every night they would go down the hallway and put the bag of food out the front of everyone's door but they wouldn't knock you weren't allowed to go out yet because you couldn't you can't have all these people suddenly mingling in the hallway right so they would put bags of food in front of everyone's door and then they'd start knocking down the hallway yeah and so you'd get to 6 30 you're kind of hungry you know it's happening you know it's happening you hear the paper rustling outside your door but you can't go out and get it yet so you're gonna sit there for another minute and then you hear the knock and then oh here it goes (laughs) the knocks but like after 14 days of that happening at exactly the same time yeah. every night, I got my first night at home. I was sitting there at 6.30. Rustling. And my feet are tapping and I'm getting angry. I've got the hangries. Yeah, and my yeah. wife's like, what's the matter? And I, yeah. I did, couldn't work out why. And then I went, why isn't anyone bringing me food? <laughs> Where's the knock? Where's the knock? 
so how the hell do you write the last leg? Because it's so current. Yeah. Mm. And you just said about when you're in Australia, you're writing at 11 at night and filming it at 7 in the morning. Is it really up to the minute? We learnt early on that if we start writing too early in the week, yeah. then the jokes have gone away by Friday. Is that because of our country? And <laughs> no, the new, I'd say. <laughs> no, that's more recently. Yeah. No, I'd say just the news generally. By the time you get to Friday, yeah. something else has happened. And also, because of the way the internet works... Everyone's already made those jokes yeah. about whatever happened on Tuesday. So our first meeting's at 12.30 on the Friday and it's, okay, what's happened overnight? Are we throwing the script yeah. out? So basically we have to prepare a script in case nothing ridiculous happens. Right. And we learnt that when Donald Trump was elected. Right. So our attitude going into that, because we had a show the night after, was if he's elected, the whole world is going to fall apart. So we can just react to that on the day. Whereas we thought if Hillary Clinton's elected, there's nothing funny about that. Yeah. So let's write that show. Yeah. Let's make that show mm. funny. Mm. And we, so we, we wrote a show assuming Hillary Clinton was going to yeah. be elected because that was going to be the harder show to write. Then we got in on the day and went, right, well, that show's out the window. <laughs> let's go with the Trump My show. Best material in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> but also the way people watch TV, they know we're live. Yeah. And we're the only show that can actually reference something that happened an hour before we go to air or take tweets during the show. Mm. Like, you know, the Matt Hancock WhatsApp messages were being leaked during the ad breaks. So we came back from an ad break and I'm literally reading them live on air and then going, I don't know that I should be reading this. This feels <laughs> awkward. Same with the Gary Lineker thing on the BBC. Yeah, People were pulling out of the next day's broadcast yeah. during ad breaks. So, yeah, we've learnt prepare enough that we're going to have a show but leave some leeway for some yeah. madness to happen on the day. Live TV, like whenever I've done it, is so exciting, terrifying... But yeah. then so, so fun as well that it is totally live. So you want to leave it like a little bit loose, don't you? Yeah. And you kind of want something to go wrong. Yeah. yeah. Like the most excited people got for our show was when um, Chris O'Dowd got drunk. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that one well. Yeah. And it was only meant to be temporary show. Is that right? It was for 10 nights at the Paralympics. I had a month booked in at a comedy club in New York afterwards. I was going to go to New York and MC the Comedy Cellar and then suddenly Channel 4 were like, oh, we... Let's just do this forever. We think, this, we think the three of you could get together and talk about the news. And I remember sitting with Josh and Alex and saying to them, look, I don't know that we can talk about the news, but I know one thing. I used to host a show in Australia, a music quiz show, and there were two team captains and myself and we had a real lovely chemistry about us. Mm. And I said to Josh and Alex, I've seen this once before. Like, it does, this doesn't happen all the time when you find sure. other people that you can bounce off. And I said, the last time it, it ran for seven years in Australia, so let's give it a crack because this could do the same thing here. Mm. So really it boiled down to the three of us, I think. But you see that, that's why it works. Yeah, that it's is the chemistry. I mean, we argue like brothers. I, I guess I'm the older brother and they're the two younger adopted brothers with a different dad maybe. <laughs> like, step don't right, I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> but even, at, you know, at the end of every series, we still give each other a gift and they gave me something for my restaurant. Oh. Yeah, it was a, a toasty maker. <laughs> oh, yummy. Every restaurant needs one. Yeah, right? Every yeah. restaurant needs one. Let's talk about your books as well, because oh, as well yeah. as, you know, the telly, you've written a brand new children's book that's just come out. To be honest, I just wanted my kids to think I was cool. Oh. And it turns out hosting a Friday night satirical news show <laughs> doesn't, wasn't really doesn't doing not massively into political humour. How no. old are your kids? Uh, they're nine and 12. Okay. But the idea for the first book came about from the eight-year-old who had said quite seriously to me one day, when I grow up, I don't know if I want to be a rock star or a detective. 
Oh. And I was trying to be encouraging, went, well, you can do both. Yes. You can be a rock star by night who solves crimes during the day. Yeah. And then kind of went, and that's a good idea for yeah. a book. But this new one's called Murder at the Movies. Yeah. Yeah, it, so this is not inspired by a child. <laughs> <laughs> My kid wanted to murder someone. Well, no, do you know what? The, so the first book I wrote, it was about two 12-year-olds, mm. one of whom has just become like a viral rock star online and doing their first ever tour. Her best mate, George, is like her social media manager, so he goes everywhere with her. They're going around Europe, and I thought, well, the story is everywhere they perform, a valuable piece of art is stolen and all the evidence makes it look like they're the ones doing it. So they have to kind of clear their names. And I yeah. thought, well, this is a nice little mystery. There's no death. There's no... Yeah. And my daughter, the eight-year-old, who was, I guess, 10 by the time it came out, said... I really enjoyed that, Daddy, but can someone die in the next one? <laughs> I was like, oh, Because it turns out that's what kids want. Yeah. They kids want, want death. death. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's an attempted murder in this one. <laughs> um, I've had to, you know, I don't want to go straight to murder. Empty. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, no, they and they read it and they give me notes. Yeah. And, and it's weird because, you know, you'll submit a script to an editor and they'll go, well, I don't think kids talk like that. Yeah. And then I'll go back to my kids and go, well, I quoted you directly. <laughs> <laughs> is this just you or is it all your friends? And they'll be like, no, all our friends say that. And so then I can go back and go, well, actually, actually my daughters do know <laughs> who Scooby-Doo is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and are they proud now? You wanted them to be proud? Are they, pr- are oh, they, they proud love it. Like, funnily enough, I was talking to my nine-year-old this morning on FaceTime and she said, I was reading your book at school and... One of the other kids said, what's that? And she said, and I held the book up and I went, that's my dad. And the other kid went, I don't believe you. (laughs) And so I said, well, what's my last name? And he went, well, Hills. And she went, so that's Adam Hills. And he still went, yeah, but I don't believe it's your dad. And so she she then opened up to the dedications where it said, it says to Beatrice and Maisie. Yes. Always that's stay. Me yeah, that's me. And it says stay funny and stylish and clever. That's me. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> right, let's do the end of the show question. In this envelope, Adam, mm-hmm. I have a question written by our production team. We've not seen this. It's not even been sealed. Could have <laughs> could have looked at it, but I've not. To get yourself a Waitrose goodie bag, all you've got to do is answer the question. (laughs) In 2002, Adam scored a hit in Australia with his single, Working Class Anthem, in which he sang the lyrics of the Australian National Anthem to the tune of Working Class Man, a song by Scottish-born Australian rocker, Jimmy Barnes. Now, the question is, will you sing it for us? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, okay. Firstly, I have to sing the Australian National Anthem so you know what we're working with. Okay. So the Australian National Anthem is... Australians, oh, let us rejoice, for we are young and free. With golden soil and wealth for toil, our home is girt by sea. Which is ridiculous, because our home is girt by sea. Like, no one yeah. says, who uses the word girt? Yeah, we need a remix. Yeah, it needs to rename. Yeah. 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 You've never seen, like, an episode of Neighbours where there's a police siege and there's, like, come out of the house with your hands in the air. <laughs> we have you girt. Um, <laughs> And so then, yeah, this guy, Jimmy Barnes, Mm. uh, had a rock song in Australia called Working Class Man, and it was like, uh, Working hard to make a living, bringing shelter from the rain. Whoa, he's a working class man. (laughs) So the the Australian National Anthem version goes, Australians all let us rejoice. For we are young and free With golden soil And wealth for toil Our home is girt by sea Yeah! 
Oh, 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 Brilliant. Oh, well worth it. Adam Hills, everybody. Thank you, Adam. That was so fun. Brilliant. Thank you. Please come around for dinner again. Do you know what? I've realised this combines everything that I love, which is ribs and an audience. Next week on Dish, it's going to be four of us for tea. Me and Angela are going to be joined by Rick Edwards, who I used to work with. Did you? Yeah, I did, yeah. Thanks for watching. Ema decided she was going to make some banana bread. I was using an American recipe and they said a stick of butter. And I was just like, that must mean the whole packet of butter. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Could have asked. What? Asked you? Yeah, just say, what's a stick of butter? And I said, well, not that. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Edwards and Ema Kenny. If you really knew how much I'd watched you. <laughs> <laughs> If you would like to recreate today's dish for your friends or family or maybe a stranger in the street, head to waitrose.com forward slash dish recipes. That is where you'll find all the meals we've ever made on the podcast. Follow Dish wherever you get your podcast so you'll get it delivered to your device every week. And if you enjoy it, please leave us a great review. If you don't, listen to something else. <laughs> we can't all have a Michelin star chef in the kitchen, but you can get some Michelin star advice. Email your questions for Angela, wherever they are, to dish at waitrose.co.uk. Waitrose. Food to feel good about.